I just called to say, to say you're offside. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Claps, claps, claps. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Welcome back to the... Ah! Podcast with a lot harder to look at Arsenal with Alexander Moneypenny, my very good friend. Bradley Adams. As you can probably tell, I have no voice. Because of last night. <laughs> Arsenal to Wolves oh. at the Emirates. Both of us were there in person at the game. Happened to be there. Picked the right one. Bradley, what the fuck? How do you one feel? Of the be- one of the best nights of my life, genuinely. I can't, I can't describe the... Uh, I, had a, I had a pretty tough kind of 24 hours before this for context. And... This is what football is all about. I have never felt so alive than in the 95th minute. When that goal went in, I turned to my dad. and We hugged each other. We were screaming. We hugged these random two lads next to us. It, that is what football is. It's, it's yeah. art. It's beauty. It's passion. And it's, it's life-changing. And it was genuinely one of the, it's the best game I've ever seen live. Uh, and not because of it, uh, like ridiculously exciting play or whatever, but for moments. And uh, I can't, I, I literally can't orate the emotions that I felt last night. It, it was sensational, mate. I remember seeing you, Brad and I tried to meet up after the game. We we were on the phone like, where are you? Where are you? And then we saw each other and we just like sort of skipped over to each other. It was like the most camp like film cinematic moment ever, but I loved it. It was. Oh, it was I had a, I had a real rom com moment leave, leaving the stadium. We were all chanting and singing, and then I t- I turn and 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 look just for some reason up, and we're we're trying to get on the stairs, and I see Hugh Dennis, and Hugh oh, Dennis oh, sees me. Fame, amazing. Of, of outnumbered fame and of of mock the week fame. Like, Are you on the different not podcast? No, but we both just pointed at each other at the same time and started laughing. So I feel like I shared a real Notting Hill moment with with Hugh Dennis. So Hugh, Hugh if you Dennis. listen to this, please reach out. You had a you had a real rom com moment with Hugh Dennis. I, I That's felt so yeah, funny. I I feel like I did. It was it was yeah. It was ah. Oh. Saw Hugh Dennis at this game. Keir Starmer at the last one. At least there's been an upgrade. I saw Tim Stillman at the one before. I was too scared to talk to him. Um. Yeah, the mate, it's just such a unifying thing. And I was looking around at full time, uh, 60,000 people. And I'm like, this is how humans are meant to live in communion with one yeah. another, coming together over something. And, and where else other than football do you get 60,000 people coming together with a common goal, supporting one you know, one vision, one dream, man, you know, that kind of American sort of thing. But like really, you know, I, we live such individualistic capitalist lives and I, I promise I won't go on a rant on this podcast. It's not, not the time or place, but it's so nice to be in a place where you feel connected to those around you. You forget. Like, you, you know, and you forget. And like, 
I was with a friend and some dude next to us just like hugged us both when Lacazette scored. Well, let's say Lacazette scored the goal. When Lacazette scored the goal, um, it was ju- it's just. Did it go most- down as an own goal or is it? Yeah, it's an own goal. It was just the most unifying experience. And for those of you who've uh, listening to this, who've, who've maybe never been to a game, if you can get to a game, um, it is unbelievable. It's an unbelievable experience. Um, and we're very, I felt very, very lucky last night to be in, in that. Um, yeah in that stadium because also for me it was completely serendipitous I found out I was going to the game the day before someone had a spare ticket feels like one of those things and actually to move on to to the game itself a bit more and kind of how it fits into our context of our season it feels like another one of those moments do you know what I mean another one of those not and this quite, mate this... not quite where were you when but it, but a sort of uh, it tells us I, I, I've got a whole... Uh, no, I'll just do it. I'll I, just do it. Do, do you want me, if I go? Or, or do you want to go? I, I, you, you seem to have led quite well onto my word of the game. So okay, I may just it, jump in. Destiny. This felt destined. This felt... And it feels like destiny that we will wrap up a top four finish and this will be clipped up and we can all cry about it at the end of the season when we finish fifth. But genuinely, um, the one thing that I kept that after the game I kept harping back to is a quote by Arsene Wenger in his documentary where it's something like destiny is uh, is defined by millimetres or something. And that's what it felt like last night. It felt like Arsenal took charge. Lacazette took charge. All of these players took charge. And see, and Arteta took charge and seized their destiny from an absolute villainous opposition with the way that they were playing. I... And, and, and then to kind of go on from that, for, for me, being there felt like destiny. Felt like th- I was meant to be there at that moment. Yeah. Probably the same for you. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's just, I, that's all I can really say on it. And yeah. other than kind of general chat about the game, it's just so special. So special. It was special. It was really special. And, it, and these are the moments that unite fan bases. And yeah, I... I I can't help but feel my word of the game is special, ironically. I can't help but feel this game answers and I was I was I was on the train home and I was thinking, why why does that game feel so important? Because we've had late winners before, we've had situations before, we've been in we've been even been in top four races before, and it nothing has quite felt like that. And obviously, you know, I was in the stadium, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, so things things change. But there's a reason this felt special, and I was trying to work it out. And I think for this team, there's something about tonight of all nights, we answered all of our existential questions about this current team. Mm. What do we have off the bench? Well, it shows that people can come off the bench and make an impact. What do we have in terms of... All three of the substitutes did and absolute props to Mikel for those subs. They were they were brilliant. Yeah. If you, uh, you know, what, what does the, you know, can, can a young team, the youngest team in the league, get us through a tricky patch mentally? Do, do they have the facilities to do that? Yes, they do. Can they dig in and, and get results? Yes, they absolutely can. I was thinking through and going, if you asked 
an Arsenal fan, any Arsenal fan, write down the sort of five, six, seven, however many you have existential questions you have about this Arsenal side. Does Mikel Arteta know when to use substitutes? Does, um, you know, what, whatever your concerns are, all the, the, the concerns that we all know is the centre forward, you know, and obviously the centre forward issue is, is still there, but but a monstrous centre forward position um, performance from Lacazette in the second half. All of the things appear to come together and and knit together and fix themselves just for that one evening. Do you know what I mean? And and that doesn't mean they're all fixed because we still don't, you know, I, I still think in another game, you know, obviously as you as you say, Destiny is 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 such a fine margins. You know, in another game we're bemoaning the lack of quality off the bench because we didn't get the goal. But I think just for tonight, the reason it felt special is mm. all of those questions were answered and they all came together and it, it, it all it yeah. was unbelievable. And it and it, we it answered questions we've had about this manager in this squad for a long time. That's the first time in Mikel Arteta's tenure we've gone down in a game and come back to win. Yep. We've gone into halftime down, we've come back to win. Wolves' Premier League form in the last in the last ten games, they have two losses. Both of them are to Arsenal. You know. Wolves have not lost when they've taken the lead this season. They've won 11 times and they've drawn once. That game, those moments, these boys, that manager, this is what this is what we're here for. This is this is the progress. This is it, 5 years ago we lose that kind of game. We 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 let it get to us. And, ah, oh, mate. Mate, I, I don't even think it's five years ago. I honestly think this, the team that has assembled itself since the summer, or maybe since the uh, the fourth game of the season, I think that team wins this game. Because oh, you yeah, watch, yeah, yeah. When, when, when Hwangi Chan scores that, scores that goal, there's a difference in mentality now. There's a different shape of our players. Martin Erdegaard ran more tonight than any other Arsenal player has run this season. You know, we, and I'll talk about the individual performances later. But you watch the the difference in mentality of these boys, and how Benjamin White steps up, how Saka, not even ha- necessarily having his best night technically, steps up, how Thomas Partey steps up, how we, how different players are approaching this game differently. Yeah, Ramsdale with a huge save in, the, in I think, in the second half from Neto. You know, like these moments are definitive and and, and they, mm-hmm. they show a collectiveness that you can feel not only sort of around the stadium, but transmitted off the pitch that is so yep. special. And I, I, I just think perhaps we're over, over indexing it and I, and maybe, maybe we are, but just for that moment last night, it just, it felt like a, a, a oneness, a real, a real kind of coming together of, of, of a whole team behind one, badge and one club and it's you know call it hyperbolic call it you know over the top or whatever but that's how it felt and mm. and I am I think this team deserves so so much credit for that and 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 Mikel for 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 designing it and bringing it together and, and putting it out there um yeah so so special should we get onto the game a bit more specifically before we yeah let's let's try to oblivion <laughs> um Early doors, I thought we lacked runners in behind. That was my main issue with how we were playing. I felt as though 
our only real danger spots were Saka on the right and Martelli on the left. And there wasn't the volume of runs that you need because there is that gaping hole in the middle. And Lacazette, listen, Lacazette was still running at 90 minutes last night. So, and and the commitment he's showing, the leadership he's showing, I don't want to, you know, I, I want to come to Lacazette later on and have a quick discussion and put something I want to put to you. I don't, I don't particularly want to, you know, have that conversation. We know his limitations and he, and he doesn't run in behind. That's fine. That's not the player who he is. But I felt it did, it, you know, with that, we needed runs from the from the wings and we weren't quite getting the volume of that. We felt, felt we had the ball in the midfield. Ben White's playing some lovely chip balls over the top and Gabriel was trying to do the same. Even Cedric was, was whipping some balls um, uh, from the right-hand side over to the left. I just felt as though those runs in behind were the places we might get something from, the, from this game, but the volume wasn't there. And then they scored. Um, I think it was a shaky start from us. I yeah. think that there was, there was a, you, you could see it coming. You could see the mistake coming for me. Uh, there were a few moments where we were nearly caught napping and we were misplacing passes early on. I think of there's a couple of chip balls from White that are too short or too long. They just don't find their destination. The, the party ball that hits one of the Wolves players in the head. And then obviously their goal comes and both kind of Gabrielle and White are asleep at the wheel. Ramsdale's a bit rash for me. And it's uh, it's a decent finish. I, I do think that somebody should have, and I think that's White as well, should have covered that space quicker. Yes, I'm, I'm watching it now. I think White can be more alert to the run because he sees... Uh, Chan so I don't know I don't know if it's Hang Chan or Huang He Chan I'll just call it Huang, Huang. Chan I don't it's know. Huang He Chan right so he sees him coming and watches him and watches Gabriel and, and I think he imagines the ball's going to be shorter longer than it is which is fine but I think White could probably do better I mean it's one of those things that we, we I often say on this podcast is like Yes, the ball's a bit short. Yes, White could probably get there. Yes, Ramsdale could probably do a bit better. But it's great instinct from the player. Do you know what I mean? Like that. That if we, if I had to write a headline for that moment, for me, it's not necessarily about our our lack of ability there. It's his ability that that comes to the forefront. But you know, and mistakes were made there for sure. But I do think on balance, I feel as though that was just a great moment from him. And and I never felt though. That that was game over, or in any or in any sense that that was that was going to put a downer in us. Uh, I think I think I don't know how you felt in the stadium, but I it felt like because they I think had they scored they'd scored an offside goal before. Yeah, they they'd scored they scored in like the sixth minute with Saiz, uh yeah. that was that was actually checked. Well, I mean the the Martinelli penalty wasn't even checked. But was checked for longer than than most decisions last night, which was mental because it was yeah. so clearly offside. It wasn't. It wasn't even close. I was at the other end, so I I, I couldn't tell. I was I was end on, and that was the other end. So Stevie I, I, Wonder I really could have told it was offside. <laughs> Maybe we should ask him. I just Maybe. called to say, to say you're offside. Um. Yeah, but look, it was a great finish, and and t- to be honest, as you say, a bit of a shaky start. They probably deserved it. Um, I today's not the day. I do have concerns more generally about Gabrielle. Mm. Um, I think if I had to pick a weak link in our 
back line, if it's Tomiyasu, White, Gabriel and Tierney, I probably would try it. If I was an opposition manager, I'd probably try and get someone in the pockets to pull Gabriel out and get him get in behind. I feel like he's not quite got the recovery pace. He's he's not Mertesacker, but he has got that slight turns like milk thing. It's it's not as bad. It's nowhere near as bad as Mertesacker, but he just doesn't turn with the same zip that I'd like him to. And I think he sometimes gets dragged. Um, and his concentration, I'm not sure, is always is always top. But he's still you know he's still young, and you know he's still he's still going to grow. Mm-hmm. And and Mertesacker only improved with age because he just understood the game more and more and more. And that's you know that's 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 how it works um i also felt we were playing nice and high which is something a theme that i've the press was great last night it really was and we're winning the ball high up and and i was looking at it and i was kind of going who are our facilitators that allow us to do this and perhaps this will bring us on to more kind of individual conversations but looking at martin odegaard looking at thomas Partey. They're always there. They're, they're developing something between them, which is is so nice. I mean, and all, all the all the players are developing sort of their own individual links with everyone, really. But that 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 link particularly stands out. And I think both of them are consistently available to come and get loose balls, to come and pick up second balls, to come and come and win even headers and and duels in the air. And I think having facilitators, people who you know can win the ball back for you. I watched. Um, PSG against uh, Real Madrid and Verratti played and Verratti is what five seven six tiny guy but he does not lose the ball he simply does not lose the ball I don't know what the stats were in that game but what from the eye test he just doesn't lose it he lit whatever space small spaces large spaces he he can pass it he can play it like he can do everything in terms of in that midfield so it allows everyone else to play five six seven up to 20 yards further up the pitch because you know that if you give the ball to Verratti, you're not going to be running that distance back. And I think having players that yeah. are different players and do it in a different way, but having players who can do that in Partey and Odegaard um, is really useful to keep us keep us high and, as you say, keep us winning back the ball in a press, which is, yeah, I mean, it's just the technical ability is, as we know, has just raised so much this season. And the coordination of the press as well is coming on leaps and bounds from a team that was in the, I think it was the bottom three for kind of PPDA press, uh, presses per defensive action, you know, a couple of months ago and was something that we on this podcast really bemoaned and, and said that when you're pressing like Newcastle or Norwich, it's no wonder that you're not getting certain results. It's it. We look like a different team. We, we look we look like a different team that played the first three Premier League games. We look like a different team that then went on that nine-game winning run. Every few months, the level is raising. Mm. And that can only be down to the manager yep. and the coach and the coaching because there is a fluidity there. There is an understanding there. And... I, I do struggle to or- orate it. Like I can't praise the boys and the coach highly enough for the 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 kind of levels that we've raised, not once but twice this season, are the kind of levels you'd expect a club to to take twelve months raising. Right. Right. And and I, you and know, I with yeah. with yeah. Well no, I was just gonna say I, I think and and it's I was looking at um <laughs> 
it was funny after the game I was around uh, one of the statues I can't remember which one and AFTV were filming and there was a real sort of celebratory air um, around the stadium and then I turned around and there was one of the booths that sell programs and merch and stuff were just handing out free programs just going 2-1 2-1 and just handing out free programs at the end which was it was just such like a nice nice atmosphere so I got one and I was looking at the back as I was in the queue for the tube and our season is now defined, I think, by returning quite quickly from poor runs. We had a really poor run at the start of the season. We put together a fantastic run. We then hit a bit of a bump in the road around the sort of Everton, um, Man United period. And then we put together a really good run after that. We had obviously the Man City result and whatever. But in terms of how we're how we're putting together runs of results it's it's so impressive and i've got the our last seven wins and one loss in our previous nine premier league games for us i also had the burn league result which is feeling more and more frustrating but again it's i think that's another thing where the more we face teams no i'll make that point in a second basically we got you know two one against wolves two one against brentford beat wolves again one nil um it was the burnley game the city game and then the five nil four one two nil Three three nil Norwich leads West Ham Southampton. What is more impressive in these games to me, and I tweeted this out, is how dominant we are. If you think about those games and picture them in your head, or however you how however you remember games, whether it's by incidents or whatever, I can't. I would challenge someone to show me longer than let's say fifteen, maybe even ten minutes of serious domination by the Man City game for the other side in the, in the games that are against the likes of Wolves, Brentford, Burnley, Norwich, those, all these games, what's more impressive is how high we are on the pitch, how much of the ball we hold on to, <clears throat> how we're able to retain possession, how we're able to put them to the sword and to, to varying degrees of, of kind of getting the ball actually in the net. <laughs> right. But ultimately that will come with the personnel that's going to that's going to change what matters is behind them the players that we now have in those positions who are keeping the ball high up the pitch who are holding on to the ball who are able to um to to put together those combinations of the final third which obviously don't always pay off it's a low scoring game that happens but we're remaining in those positions for long 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 periods of the game and that is the most important thing the burnley game is an example of a game where it didn't come off for us we we didn't get that killer moment it didn't happen but I think more and more the trend is pointing towards we're having long periods of domination and it's paying off for us. And that is the most exciting part because if you mm-hmm. look at other teams, they lurch around, look at Spurs in terms of their performances. They'll have a unbelievable counter-attacking performance against one team, one, one season, uh, one season, one game. Next game, they can't put together a pass. It's the consistency of our performances and how we play that is the most impressive thing about this team. And it's so exciting. And and the thing that... that- kind of moving on from that the fact that the the problem is so issue and so small there's not four five six seven problems with this team there's improvements to be made i definitely think that there's an improvement to be made in central midfield on granite jacker i definitely think that there's an improvement to be made um a sec right back to cover for tommy asu or to fight with tommy asu but the we have one problem in this team now how long has it been since we've been at that place where we can say we're one signing away and then growth with this team from 
being back where we should be. 10 years, 2012, maybe was the last time you could have honestly said Arsenal need one player to put together a challenge for a, a, a title or a serious run. Now, I'm not saying that if we get our first choice centre forward in, we're going to challenge for a title because this is a young team and the likelihood is, is we'll sign a young striker. But if we bring in that player and then grow with this team over the next three years, there's no reason we can't. We're, we're already dominating, you know, most teams now since the introduction of uh, Emil Smith-Rowe in December 2020, we have taken 1.9 points a game. That's sensational. It's 92 points out of 144. Like, the only way is up. And that's just, that's that's why we're here, because we want to be along for that ride. It, yeah. It's beautiful to see. And, you know, for all of certain players' flaws and the things that will let us down this season, Burnley is a prime example of a game like this, where those key moments just didn't go our way. You know, the Lacazette open goal miss. We didn't have Pepe to come off the bench. We... It, we didn't have those people to come in and, and make a real difference. And those games, those games are going to happen. We're going to sit here in three weeks after playing someone and Lacazette will have missed a penalty in an open goal or something and we'll be crying because it's, it's dropped us points. But the one thing that I keep, I keep returning back to or circling back to is this feels like the game that we'll look back on and we'll go, this is the game that got us forth. Mm. We came back from one nil down against a team who have, who went, who have, when they've gone ahead, never lost and we beat them and we took all three points. This, I can't, I can't express how monumentous this is from, from every aspect for the players, for the mentality as well. We have to remember, this is the youngest team in the league learning on the job. And this is one of the youngest and most inexperienced managers in the league learning on the job. Imagine the confidence and the pressure that has been lifted by that result. The questions that are now being answered. It's, I'm so excited. Mate, and it is that, you, you the, the youngest thing in team in the league thing is, 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 another element of how exciting this all is and I'm just looking at the league table and as you say the kind of the mentality that this will bring because we're with two games in hand on United appreciate one of them we have to play them and we're one point behind we're in we're completely in the driver's seat and I looked at our running and we'll do that in news and views but it feels so achievable it feels so achievable to 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 do something special this season um I want to talk about the individual performances quickly um, and I want to highlight let's a few do points. it let's do it um, firstly Thomas Partey uh, most ball recoveries most jewels won oh, sorry equal most jewels won equal most ta most take-ons completed equal most fouls won and second most chances created uh, a complete midfield performance from the guy um, I think Wolves sat off him slightly uh, at times, I did. I, I watched a, a compilation video of him earlier on, and, and I, th I felt it slightly last night. I felt like they gave him a little bit of time in the midfield, and, and it kind of um, confirmed that for me. I'm not sure why. Uh, the only player who seemed to get him was I think I know why with, with Ruben Neves. Um, but I, I just a, a completely imperious performance from him, and we're starting to see 
what I think he's best at uh, as this sort mm. of when we're totally in control. I think there's going to be other game states where he might become someone who you know isn't isn't always in the best positions for what his skill set is but when he's a single pivot in a dominating team in a team that is on the front foot when he's able to sit there in the midfield and spray balls and win balls and do his stuff around you know sort of tippy tappy stuff around people and get past people and you know drop a shoulder and 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 spray a ball i don't want anyone else in our midfield when we're in that position no. when we like i i can't think of anyone else i'd want um yeah, you think you think you know why they dropped off him? Uh, do you remember the conversation that we had about Ben White? Um, oh God, I can't remember how long ago. Ben White is so complete that he will dribble past you, or he will pass past you, or he will pass around you. I think this. I think it's the same kind of conversation with Thomas Partey. You get too close to him, he'll drop a shoulder and wriggle out of the challenge. You're too far off him he'll just dictate tempo in the midfield and it becomes a question of well then what do you do mm. you then end up leaving yourself half in between both and you end up giving him both options he'll either glide past you or pass past you and we saw that last night and what because what i think happens is and especially because they took the lead so early last night they knew that they couldn't get too close to party and they knew that they couldn't get too far away. So what they did is they just stuck to structure. They stuck to the five at the back. As soon as that goal went in, you saw it. I was, I don't know where you were sat. I was sat pretty much on the, like the, the tunnel. On. Yeah. I was sat, uh, sat pretty much at the tunnel, but up in the gods. So I could see everything. And it was so clear to see the five and the four. It was, it was, it was unbelievable. That structure gave him the space that he needed to do his work. And, you know, that's, that's good for us because when you have a player like that, and when you have multiple players like that, we're, we're now starting to grow multiple players like that. Saka's one of those players. Uh, Erdegaard is definitely one of those players. Party's one of those players. I think Tierney is one of those players to a degree. I think a really underrated performance from Kieran Tierney. I rewatched the game this morning on Amazon Prime because it's still on there if you want to go and have a look. Tierney's positioning is incredible. So many times he he there's there's a there's a ball across. I can't remember who for that he heads out that they would have been kind of getting into real kind of fortuitous positions otherwise. Some brilliant balls both down the left and into the centre. Some brilliant runs and moments of carrying the ball. I'm starting to disagree with you and myself that Tierney is not the long-term left-back because he is such a weapon at what he does. But the fact that we have so many of these players now is just... Like, we just are... We're, we're so much better than we once were. So much better than we once were. <laughs> we're so much better than, than we were three months ago. We're so much better than we were six months ago. And we're so... The team last season does not look like an Arsenal team. It does not look like this team. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know about Tierney. I mean, I, I'd, I'd have to rewatch it. I mean, I'll take a word for it. But I... Yeah, maybe, maybe he kind of went under the radar again for me. So, so yeah, I can't really comment on that. But what I'd say on the Partey thing as well is I think I think you might be right that they sat off him for that reason. But also, him and Ben White being so secure in possession means we can push Shaka up. 
Yeah. And having that second eight just slightly further forward, uh, or you know, where, however you want to characterize it, basically having Xhaka further forward as six pushing forward or whatever you want to say, he creates those overloads, creates those combinations. And when you get someone in that position who has more of a 360 about their game, is able to do more things on both feet or is able to combine in different areas or is able to play a bit more their back to goal. I think that's another explosion. And it's so exciting because I think we know, mm-hmm. I think Artessa knows that having White and Partey there means you can basically push everyone forward and say, look, these guys have got it. They're going to hold on to the ball. So don't worry about it. Like go forward and, and you know, we don't need Xhaka in it, dropping into that, um, uh, that left-hand side anymore because because we they're covering the spaces we we've got we've got that sorted and having the recovery pace of Ben White and the technical security of Partey is 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 a huge huge part of that another player I want to individually focus on is is Martin Odegaard mentioned earlier ran 12 point something kilometers more than anyone any Arsenal player this season We've talked about thirty the deal. million pounds. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I mean, you, the the deal always comes up, and it's similar to Pepe because it's so cheap relatively for, to to his quality. That will always come up, but it's not sort of not of relevance to me right now because all I care about is that performance last night. Ran the show, and at the very end of the of the um of the match, he just completely collapsed. And I thought, fair enough, mate, because he is he is the most one of the most. He's, he's like Özil, if Özil pressed and harried could run. and ran and remember what we said about Ozil we said oh, if only he could press if only he could contribute physically to the team we've got that we've got that in Martin Erdegaard mm-hmm. and it's so exciting and he's he's a leader he's a technical leader his ability to um, there's this moment where he loses the ball or or some, something happens anyway the ball breaks for him and he and he just edges ahead of his um, his marker and heads it towards Saka and there's this will for him this sort of I will not lose the ball. I will keep this here. His ability to play the reverse pass, his ability to find his man, his his switches. When he gets on the ball, you feel the opposition team hold their breath. You you feel it. You feel them go, he can do anything here. And that's something that I love about this team is that we have so many players. Saka, to a degree, can't really go on the outside much as a winger, but he's so good at coming inside that it, and beating his man, it, it kind of doesn't matter. But you do sort of know what he's going to do. With Erdegaard, and that's an area of his game I'd like to see improve. With Erdegaard, I, when, it, when he gets the ball, I have no idea what he's about to do. He could thread it. He could have a shot. He could pass it to Saka. He could switch it. He can progress it. He can hold on to it and wait for, wait for a runner. Like I, I don't know. He could do that chipped ball into the box thing that De Bruyne does from uh, from that, that side with his other foot. I I just marvel at this guy. Um, I, I don't know what I, I I don't know how else to praise him. I I just think he's the most fantastically technically gifted player we have, and I think if he's not already in the De Bruyne, Thiago conversations by next season, it will be it will be pretty soon after that because he's just he's unbelievable. Yeah. I don't have anything to add. Like <laughs> he's sense like you, uh, I couldn't put it better. He's sensational, and I don't know about you, Brad, but I feel like I'm in a bit of a daze. <laughs> I'm in a bit like, is this really Arsenal Football Club? Are we really actually good at football again? Yeah, 
Is it's this been real so life? Long oh, since can we actually can we kick ball? We can kick a football. We, oh. we look like we've been coached. It feels like a dream. Someone's going to wake me up, and it's yeah. going to be it's going to be half time in that Chelsea Boxing Day game. <laughs> and we're going to be two 0 down or something. And I'll be like, oh right, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was in a coma the whole time. Yeah, great. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. God Almighty. God Almighty. The our two goals then. Um, the first one comes. Well, actually, before we do that, we should talk about the substitutions. I mean, fair play from Arteta. He's he's often come under under fire for his for his substitutions. Um, Pepe comes on immediately, does some great tracking. He tries to get on um, Eight Nori, who's who's running through, and that, and that's when the the Neto moment happens. Uh, which is a great save from Ramsdale. But I thought Pepe, once he came on, you know, there were some comments um, twice now from Arteta about his new energy and his his something new that's that's clicked with Pepe. And if that can bring us five goals before the end of the season, fucking bring it on. If it can bring us two goals before the end of the season, bring it on. I don't care because we need everyone to contribute. And I don't know what's going to happen with Pepe and I, th- and I sort of don't care at this point. I just care about how he's going to contribute to this run-in. Um, and in this game, he came on and he brought an energy. He brought a uh, an attack. He brought a drive. He brought an availability. Um, he was he was he kept the ball. Kept the ball. You know, I, ball. I think it's is it is it our yeah our second goal comes from ball retention from Nicola Pepe. And whoever would have thought those two things would be in the same sentence? Yes, the the first goal comes from Pepe with some lovely work in the box. Um, it's a great. It's a great, obviously, reverse pass from from Enketia, but the the finish, man. I mean, the turn and swivel is just, it's gorgeous. I I really wouldn't be adverse to for a, maybe a, a game or two just to see if it works. Moving Saka to the left, putting Martinelli up top, and putting Pepe back on the right because he's had two good cameo performances now. A goal. And I mean, you could also categorize it as an assist for the second last night. Like, yeah, very potentially. I he mean, could I... bring some just just for a game to see if it works. But he definitely is going to be so important in this next. How many games left is it? Like thirteen. Um, you know, he's going to be vital for us in those games, games as an option, either off the bench or. Yeah, yeah, fourteen games left. Uh, yeah, uh, we're gonna need him. We're gonna need. We're gonna need someone certainly in that position. And yeah, I, 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 I am very cautiously optimistic of seeing different combinations in our front line. Um, I think Pepe. Yeah, it's one of those things. I think when he has less time to think, when he when he's not asked to sort of track back as much, and when he's not asked to to play the overloads and he's not asked to sort of com- combine too much when he's just in the box. Mm. He's one of our best finishers for, for you know, certainly uh, sort of picking up the right positions as he does in the, in, for his, his turn and swivel. And I think when he doesn't have too much time, he's just such an instinctive finisher. Um, I'm sure, you know, and I, I remember something you said a while ago stuck in my brain. We, we've got to be careful not call not to call everyone a confidence player because obviously confidence affects everyone. But I do think Pepe is someone who I wonder how different he'd be if he started every week. Um, and I don't think he'd work in the way we play. But for example, if he went and to go and start no. in a, a counter-attacking side where he started every single week, um, 
I wonder what sort of I don't of think he's an option full time for us. No, no, yeah, no, no, no. Like, I wonder, I and I think we know what I don't. I know what sort of Nicola Pepe we've seen because we've seen it. We saw it at Lille. You know, we know exactly what kind of Pepe you'd get. He just doesn't work for what we're trying to do right now, and that's going to be a shame to to lose your club record signing come the summer. But you just got. Um, I don't care. We just got to move on. But we we need to utilize him. And in games like this, we really need dribblers and runners, people who can pick up the ball, dribble get past a few people because they did just sit in a bank of five and a bank of four. And you saw when the formation changed and when we brought Enketia and Pepe on that, that the spaces just opened up and we got more and more opportunities. And, you know, obviously we're lucky that Lacazette didn't completely scuff the opportunity to, to win it. But I, again, we've already praised him, but, Massive, massive, massive praise to Arteta because he got the subs just completely right. Yep. Yeah, and and it's so nice to see players coming on willing to do a contribution. I mean, you know, Lacazette, and I'm going to say something now that <laughs> could cause some controversy, gets the goal. I mean, it's a completely scuffed shot and, you know, but fuck it, I don't care. <laughs> they They all count. If Lacazette gets us top four, I tweeted this out last night, I think he has a no. bigger legacy than Aubameyang at the club. I seriously do. I know Aubameyang won us those two games that won us the FA Cup, but that is two games. And Aubameyang came in, and, and Aubameyang is a different player. If if Lacazette leads us, like it's like, it's like comparing Henri and Sol Campbell and just saying, well, Henri scored more goals, so he's got a bigger legacy. I think, obviously, Henri has a bigger legacy than Sol Campbell. That's a bad example. But you know what I mean? In terms of how you compare them, I think in terms of their commitment to the club, in terms of their diligence, in terms of performing at their maximum capacity. Because do I believe Lacazette is a great finisher? Not really. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, you, when people call him lack of threat, I don't think it's lack of trying. I th- I seriously, I've never watched Lacazette on a pitch and thought, He's just given up. Well, maybe once or twice. I saw that with Aubameyang a lot of times. And for me as a fan, in terms of a legacy, from a fan perspective, who do I prefer? Who gave more to the club? Who do I believe is better for the young players? Who's a better example? Seeing how he's performing with how, you know, four months left to go on his contract, five months left to go. I, th- I think Lacazette is certainly in that conversation, if not has the bigger I, legacy. I disagree for a few reasons. We're not allowed. So fifteen in fifteen, twenty, thirty years. No, if we get fourth, unless we move this project on to win a title and to win a Champions League, and that fourth position is seen as the thing that kind of skyrockets this project. No one remembers who finished who finished fourth in the 2011-2012 season. Like Liverpool. Who was it? All right, get on Google. If I've got that right. That was a complete guess. 2011, 2012 season. Tottenham, fuck. <laughs> but do you see what I mean? It unless this this fourth spurs us on uh, to to be better, to grow more, it will be forgotten in 10, 15 years' time. That FA Cup is etched in Arsenal's history. What I will say is they're equal in terms of standing. I wouldn't say one is more than the other. Aubameyang won us an FA Cup and 
then had his issues and, and needed to leave. And I'm, I'm quite pleased to see him do well at Barcelona. But Lacazette is a lot of the issue and reason why we're already not guaranteeing ourselves for top four. You know, we're, we're what? Is it one point away from United? Hmm. We could be a point above them if he puts away an open goal opportunity against Burnley. But and that, there's that... been a lot of there's been a lot of opportunities this season that have been what you would consider bread and butter for any Premier League standard centre forward for Alexander Lacazette to finish, and he hasn't. So I I would I would not say he has a bigger legacy than Aubameyang at Arsenal. What I will say is is both of them will have the same level of legacy, of, of almost tainted legacy. Almost. I guess the question is what the person has done for the club. That's what a legacy is, right? And for me, if Lacazette leads this group of young players to fourth, because th- those, those, those missed chances, I agree, but I also don't think Lacazette has the minerals. <laughs> maybe it's because I just don't rate him at all that's why I think he's a bigger legacy it's like it's like a sort of no any comparison is going to be crude the, the, he, he the... won't be the reason though no I'm not saying that but, but you see term, what I mean in terms of his commitment to the club and commitment to the cause I he's a professional and he's a and he is Rune, a Rune Runison could be committed and professional no, they're not the no, reason on, they're not no, but they aren't they aren't the reason or the catalyst. Lacazette is not the catalyst behind us getting top four. And he's not one of the. Ma- he's not in the. He's, if out of the eleven players on the pitch, I would rank him probably tenth. And you're arguing against Gino De Campo. I'm not. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm saying that Lacazette. I agree, Brad. His contributions probably tenth or eleventh on the pitch. Park that. I'm saying that Lacazette in terms of his commitment to the club, in terms of where he is performing at, in terms of his levels and his commitment and and how he is transmitting and how he is leading those young players, I see that as a bigger contribution to the club if we're getting to the Champions League as bigger than showing up in two games once. And I appreciate Aubameyang scored all those goals, but I don't think Lacazette can do that, so you can't compare those. See what I mean? Um... Kind of, but I think if you compare the two, I think it's equal. I don't think one is bigger than the other. And I think it is because Lacazette will have almost in essence been carried to a a fourth, even though he has worn the armband and been, you know, a a model professional. The ability of other players has facilitated that. If, If he was playing for Burnley, I'm sure he'd be at the same committed professional but they'd be getting relegated it wouldn't change things that is true but i'm not talking about that. and i I'm think not talking about ability no 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 but what but what i'm saying no but what i'm saying is it's equal the ability that abamyang had being one of the the highest goal scoring forwards in arsenal's history and winning us trophies because of the sour way that it ended holds the same legacy as if lacazette gets leads this young team into the top four i don't think one is over the other Maybe it comes down to what you prize because I'm not talking about ability. I'm talking about commitment. And I, I'm just talking about commitment to, to the club and what they did for us. And to me, doing, doing what Lacazette's yeah, but you're doing saying now. You're, no, you're, saying, you're saying what they did for us, but then counting out ability. And that's so intrinsically linked to what they've done and did for us. 
Aubameyang's goal scoring was one of the things that he did for us. And it was so linked to his ability. Lacazette misses open goals and that's something that he's doing for us. If Lionel Messi came to us and scored 10 goals and I came to Arsenal and scored one, one goal in the Premier League, I would say I have a bigger legacy than Lionel Messi because I'm, I'm shit at football. <laughs> Lionel Messi should be scoring 10 goals. Do you see what I mean? It's, it's a different thing. I don't think Lacazette's very good. That's this my issue. And I think what he, he is performing at yeah. the absolute peak of his powers, which aren't very high. So I would rather worry about commitment. And I think in terms of his legacy to the fans and his legacy at the Emirates, who's a bigger legend? Who who cares about the club more? Who who, are, who am I going to remember with more fondness? Lacazette, right now. Yeah, but th- this is what I mean. You're talking about right now because he scored a last minute winner and this is the feeling no, of no, right no, now. No, 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 it's not emotional, in Brad. Five year, in five, it is, it is. In five <laughs> years time, Lacazette will be remembered in the same lengths as Giroud for that horrendous AS Monaco performance and, you know, scamming his way into an Arsenal team. Listeners, tell me what you think. Twitter is in at Diffnock. I think Lacazette has a bigger legacy. And also a few people agree with me. And I'm going to say it now. So uh, what do we have? I had uh, Justin Elliott at J. Dan Elliott said, I believe he will too, as in has a bigger legacy than, than Aubameyang. And not least because his style of play, maybe with a couple more goals, he's almost certain to be forging the template for an Arteta ball. Uh, number nine-ish for the next bunch of years. Real talk, I know he's not legendarily great Arsenal player, but he's still going to go down as one of my favourites. And someone else said, trolling, right? <laughs> so there you go. Like, he's, an, he's a nice, likeable guy. And when when he goes in the summer, I'll miss his influence and, and like seeing his face. What I won't miss is seeing him on a pitch. Get him in the Gunnosaurus outfit. Perfect for him. <laughs> <laughs> He's perfect for it. Jerry Quai, you're out, mate. Ozil can't pay your fees anymore. Uh, I think that was everything on the game. Um, we did have a word of the oh, game. We, we, um, sorry. Which was we, we need We manage. need to... So you, you're you're 4-1 up now. Octoguna loves you. Mate, I'm battering Octoguna, you. what can I do? What, we, were, what was it today? Special against uh, de- oh, mine was de- mine was destiny and yours was special. Come on, Octaguna, throw me this a bone, g- mate. This is going to be five one easy. <laughs> it's going to be five one easy. Um, we need to talk for a minute about the the poetic justice of Wolves wasting time from the twentieth minute, and then the Wolves manager telling the fourth official, the wrong player that was being substituted, to waste more time, and then Arsenal scoring the winner in the extra few minutes of time that they wasted during the game. It is the history of the Wolves. you love to see. It is the history of the Wolves. Uh, Brad, I'll see you in news interviews. We'll see you. Lester, after this. 
geez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. to news and views where we give you all the news and all your views but mostly ours just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts please subscribe turn on notifications leave us a review and please support us on patreon where you get access to ad free versions of the main podcast and the preview podcast brad did a very good episode with joshua from whole lot of wolves whole lot of wolves uh the other day it was very enjoyable for just three pounds a month and for one time support head me to head to buymeacoffee.com where you can Buy me a coffee. Please do. I have a serious addiction. Monthly or one-off helps the podcast. The links are in the show description. Right, Bramley. What we're going to do in news reviews today is never been done before. It's a predictor-tron. Predictor-tron. I'm going to call it... How do you spell predict? Atron? Itron? Artron? Predictatron. What we're going to Predict do is, Atron, I think. is we're going to go through the remaining fixtures for Arsenal and we're going to predict scores, wins, losses, and we're going to work out the points at the end. Sound good? Play along at home. Let's do it. If you would like to. Starting off with Watford away. 2-0 win. 2-0 win. I'm going to go Watford away. thing is, they're not yet in the sort of mire of the relegation battle. So I think we'll win that too. I think we'll get a 3-1 win, just to be different. I, I, the relegation battle is fascinating this season. Any of seven teams could go down. It's mental. Next fixture is at home on Sunday the 13th of March to Leicester City. 2-1 win. 2-1 win. I'm going to go for a 3-2 win. Because I think the Brendan Rodgers love train has ended there. Yeah, it but definitely. I don't has. think it's going to be easy. I might even go two two. Oh no, I'm going to go two two. I think I think we might struggle for some reason. I've got a hunch. Uh, <coughs> I've got a hunch. I've got great posture. Uh, Arsenal at home to Liverpool. That was a better joke than you gave it credit for. Uh, on Wednesday, the sixteenth of March. I think we can. 2-0 loss. Yeah, we can all accept that. I'm going to go... I think we'll score. I'm going to go a 3-1 loss. 2-0 loss, you say. Uh, so that's zero points. And zero points from that fixture. Uh, the next fixture, Aston Villa away. 
one all draw. Kind of, I feel like Villa are a bit of a form team. They've kind of lost their way a little. I bit. mean, they're not good. They're not. They're not in form at no, the no, moment. No, no. But what I mean is, if they are in form, they're the sort of team that that go on runs at the moment. I think under the Gerard because he's a bit of a passion merchant. I think. I think we'll win. What did you say? I said one all draw. I think we'll win. I'm no, gonna... fuck it, fuck it. For the boys, two one win. No, no, you got to predict it accurately. Don't just, don't just for the boys it. This is this is like re- realistic. Do you want to stick with your draw or? <sighs> yeah, I'll stick with the draw. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna go two one win. No, I'm gonna go okay. two nil win. I think we get a clean oh, sheet. Clean sheet in the bag. I think we get a clean sheet. Uh, our next fixture in April is Crystal Palace away on Monday Night Football. 2-0 win. 2-0 win. I also think we'll win. I think we'll get... See, Zaha's goal that was the exact carbon copy of this one from last year. I'd love Zaha on this team. No. Uh, I'm going to go a 1-0 win because I think Palace are a well-organised side and we're away. Could be, could be tricky. Uh, Saturday the 9th of April, Arsenal at home to Brighton and Hove Albion at 3pm, which starts a run of 3pm Saturday fixtures, meaning we won't be able to watch them, which is just pointless. Well, we will be able to watch them, we'll stream them illegally. So the Premier League will just lose money, even though if you could go to the game, you would. So pointless. Um and I know, I know before oh, it's for the lower leagues I, I promise you the, get, the media space has changed people would go anyway they'd have their phones at the game they'd be at the non-league game with the f- game streaming on their phone honestly um, I'm going to go 3-1 win 3-1 three, win three, I think Brighton are our bogey team so I'm going to go for a 2-1 loss Oh no! I think we'll lose at Brighton, uh, at home to Brighton, especially because I think by that point they might be in a bit of a scrap. Uh, okay, three points, no points. Um, next game is Southampton away. Two-two uh, draw. Two-two draw. Are you going to tell me? Any reason why or? Um, Southampton are a well-organised side with a with a good press and going away, we've had our troubles going to Southampton before. So I can just see this playing out as a draw. But I think it'll be exciting. I'm going to go a 3-0 win because we spanked them last time in terms of our once... Because they... They do press well, but we played around, around their press quite quickly. And I think once we worked their press out, they had nothing. So I think we're, we'll be more prepared for that next time. And I think we'll win quite comfortably. Next game at home to Manchester United on Saturday, the 23rd of April. 1-0 win. 1-0 win from Bramley Apples. 
Uh, I'm going to go... United always pull out of the bag against us. I'm going to go a two... Three, two, win. I generally predict more goals than you, Brad. Maybe I'm because I'm more hopeful individual. Yeah, maybe you hope Lacazette will learn how to shoot in the next month. <sighs> Willfully misunderstanding my argument. Uh, West Ham United away, Saturday the 30th of April. 2-1 uh, win. You're very... Maybe we shouldn't have done this now. Maybe we should have done this after like the City loss or something. West Ham away. You say 2-0 win. Yeah, I, the wheels are falling off their bus a little bit. They're, they're, I think they're also struggling with having quite a thin team and going quite deep in the Europa League. I think that's why we've also got the, the upper hand on United because they'll hopefully get through against Atletico Madrid. They're in, you know... They've got more games to play, the fixture congestion. I think all of those things will come into our hands. And West Ham are in the FA Cup as well, so I think that they'll be dead and depleted by that point. Yeah, I think we'll win 1-0. I think we'll win 1-0. Okay, we're entering the real, real run-in, the final three games of the season. Arsenal... The squeaky bum time. It's squeaky bum time. Arsenal against Leeds... At home. Oh, four, four nil. Yeah, they might be down by that point. Let's do predictions for who you think is going to get relegated at the end as well, just for the fun of it. Okay, fuck it. Fuck it. This is content. This is real. Um, uh, Leeds at home. Yeah, uh, two nil win. I think they might have just shut up shop at that point and tried to not concede anything and hit people on the counter. But I still think we'll win. Uh, penultimate game of the season Newcastle United that's a Manchester accent for Newcastle 3pm on Sunday the 15th 3pm on a Sunday 3pm on Sunday the 15th of May 2-0 win you're predicting four wins in four in the final five games I just I don't think that I think Newcastle just losing Trippier has, oh, has been a massive fair. blow to them. I think I think we're in tricky territory with Newcastle because I think they I think that'll be a hard game. I however think no, I think we're gonna draw. I think we're gonna draw one one. I think we're gonna draw one one. You got you've got to believe, Alex. I believe that Lacazette has a bigger legacy than uh, um, Arsenal against Everton. Final game of the season, 4pm, Sunday the 22nd of May on Super Sunday. You'll There's one result you've... This time. I will never let you go. Go on. You've missed two games. How? Chelsea and Tottenham because they haven't been scheduled oh, yet. Oh, fuck. Yeah, we'll do that at the end. Uh, Everton, I think, is going to be a 3-1 win. 3-1 win. I'm going to go for a... Oh, Everton away. That could be tricky. Final game of the season, potentially. 
Well, it will be. You no, know, it will be the final game of the season. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two-one win. I think we'll win, but I think that'll be a tough game because Goodison will be rocking or very toxic, depending. <laughs> uh, and the rescheduled games against Tottenham away and Chelsea away. Chelsea away will be a two-nil loss. Two-nil loss. I'm gonna go a one-one draw. I think we might be all right. And Spurs? 2-1 win. I'm going to go a 3-0 win. I'm just predicting. I, I can just feel something, Brad. I don't know why. I feel like the toilet bowl is going to be I rocked. I reckon Conte's gone. Well, I, I think they'll Conte's be in absolute disarray End by the that season. Point. Because they'll be challenging for, you know, ninth. And there you go. Do you want to just fill time for a second while I work this out? Uh, Imagine, just imagine you sack one of the most decorated managers of all time before a cup final to then fight it out on the last day of the season, last season to get into the conference league, to then hire a manager and sack him after six games, to then hire another one of the most decorated managers of all time to then get dumped out of the Conference League and to now be challenging for eighth after having three games in hand and being seventh when you had those three games in hand. It is the history of the Tottenham. Ooh, Bradley. We've ended up giving ourselves 42 points before the end of the season, which means... Well, both of us. Yes, which means we'd be on 87 points. That's not going to happen, surely, is it? (laughs) I feel we might have been slightly optimistic. We've given ourselves a loss against Liverpool, for sure. We both agreed on... Dropping points against Chelsea. We also both agreed dropping points. Um, well, no, you said we dropped points against Southampton. And I said we dropped points against Newcastle. But we're on 87 points, which is sort of title winning form. Um, so somehow, I doubt that's going to happen. <laughs> what, uh, before we go, the three teams are going to go down and your actual final points tally. Okay, so the three teams that, that, well, I think currently it's out of these teams to go down. Brentford, Leeds, Everton, Newcastle, Burnley, Watford and Norwich all have an opportunity to be dragged into the battle. My three teams to go down are Norwich, Watford and Everton. Ooh. Everton over Leeds. Yes, because Leeds, for me, have the ability to go somewhere and score three goals. You know, you think, Rafi- you look at what happened against United on the weekend, two goals yeah, in yeah, 70 yeah, seconds. Yeah. They've, they've just got the opportunity to turn up one day, score three goals and, and win. Whereas I, Everton are in massive disarray. And one thing that I don't think that they have is the mentality for it. They've, ne- they've not been in a relegation fight for years. They don't have a manager who's ever been in a relegation fight. 
none of their players are relegation fight players who will have the fight, the grit and the mentality to to get on with it. And that's why I think Sean Dyche masterclass, I think with the, because he, Dyche has also got games in hand on both Watford and Norwich. I, I just think that I can see Everton getting dragged in and I can see Dyche pulling Burnley out. I feel you. I, I still, I still think Everton have too much quality. I think they're, and I also think I rate Lampard in general. I'm not sure he was the right man for this job, but I, I rate him. So I've gone for Leeds and Norwich and Watford. Gone for Leeds, Norwich Ooh. and Watford. And your final points tally, please, Bradley. I think we'll get 76 points. We'll get 76 points. I think we'll get 76 points. I'm very confident about the end of this season. We're currently that could off... just be the the emotion of no, last no, no, game no, 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 of the no. last game. Couldn't oh. possibly be. I we're currently on forty five points. We both said we get forty two points to the end of the season. The thing is, though, is I really believe all the results I gave. Do you know what I mean? So maybe I should stand yeah. by it. I believe we're going to win those games that like I said we win. So and it's also achievable. Oh, uh, we haven't got a particularly difficult run in. No, we haven't. So you think we get 76 points and I think we'll get 68 I think more points. realistically, you think we get 68 points? I think we get 68 points for the end of the season. I think that's about where top four is going to be this season. Listeners, I think tweet 70 in, points gets you fourth. Listeners, tweet us in at Diffnock. Give us your uh, final point score for the season. Give us your three relegated teams uh, and tell us how wrong we are about those results. <laughs> Bradley, it's always a pleasure. We've just got time. For a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Uh, your last question last week was around the subject of right backs. And I asked you, how tall is Mathieu Debussy? Five foot nine. He is exactly five foot nine, Bramley. He is exactly. That is the biggest hell, Hail nine. Mary guess I've ever done in my life. Your question for next week is, when did Vieira play for Juventus? The theme was Arsenal captains, and I, I'm asking you, please God, when did Vieira play for Juventus? It was one season in between his move to Inter Milan in Serie A. What year did he play for Juventus? Uh, and a theme for next week, please. Left-footed Arsenal players. Left-footed Arsenal ballers. We'll finish, as we do now, with a lovely quote. With me knocking my candle over. Uh, with a quote from the little, little book of Arsenal. <clears throat> Arsenal Chief Executive Ivan Gazidis. March 2010. <laughs> I think it is very difficult to encapsulate in any succinct way what Arsene Wenger has done for this club. Didn't give him a statue there, did you? His discipline and his vision are why we are in a new stadium and why we are redefining the way the game can be played. <laughs> he has created a young squad that has a tremendous future without having the resources that other teams have. Thank you. 
You should be ashamed of yourself because of this. She got off the plane from my head. What? I saw Lee Judges last night. <laughs> Wait, very sharp features. Is that the bald one that was out? He's fucking done it again, that Harry Kane. He's that one, Is yeah. that that one? Yeah. Uh, he's got very sharp features. That's what I'd describe him as. Sort of looks a bit like a shark. Oh. oh. Uh, we'll return to those pick Predictatron results at the end of the season to laugh at how many points we get. When, yeah. when we cry. <laughs> uh, top four, here we come. Bradley, I just want to play us out with... Um, I wrote a song uh, for the podcast. I, I genuinely, I've wrote a song for the podcast. Um, I'm going to sing it to you. Now, oh, please can, don't. Can you not laugh? What? I've written a song for the podcast. I'm I'm really trying. And um I just I just want to make sure that no one's gonna laugh. But here we go. Um this is a big moment for me debuting my original song live on air. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Podcast. We appreciate your time. And we'll see you next time. Thanks as always for listening. Keep it different, Mike. And we'll see you later. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at Diff Knock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks.